0: Because we don't weed out our synapses, studies have shown that we do not make habits. Everything that we do has to be a conscious effort because uh, the the mTORs, we don't respond to mTORs, so we don't do the synaptic pruning, so we don't weed out our synapses. So uh, our brains are endlessly hyper connecting we are constantly making new connections we will make connections around connections we will do all kinds of stuff and every action we make is somewhat deliberate including breathing Mm -hmm. we have bad habits with breathing which is why so many of us have uh, non-obstructive sleep apnea because we forget to breathe because we can't even make a habit to breathe
1: Episode 38: Productivity is Autistic.
0: Welcome to the Autistic Culture Podcast. Each episode, we dive deep into autistic contributions to society and culture by introducing you to some of the world's most famous and successful autistics in history.
1: Before we get started, a quick disclaimer on how we use the word autistic. The purpose of this show is not to diagnose the people or characters we discuss as autistic. While some may have announced being autistic, what we're really sharing here is our observation of what is representative of autistic culture. It can sometimes be difficult for autistic people to celebrate our natural tendencies and traits due to the perception of autism as a disorder that needs to be fixed, a long history of damaging medical interventions to get autistics to fit in with mainstream culture and protective masking skills many of us have developed to try to stay safe.
0: Whether you are autistic or just love someone who is, your host is Dr. Angela Loria, the linguistic autistic.
1: And licensed psychological practitioner, Matt Lowry. Welcome you to take this time to be fully immersed in the language, values, traditions, norms, and identity of
0: Autistica. Autistica. Angela, how are you? Good, are you feeling productive? Am I productive? Oh (laughs) my, That, that is a loaded question. You know,
1: I thought about the title of this episode, Productivity is Autistic, and I was like, some days, some days productivity is autistic. But we are going to talk about what productivity looks like in autistic culture. And I will say we are just coming off of a summer hiatus which was incredibly productive for me, even though we were not recording episodes, because taking that break helped me think about new episodes I wanted to make, helped me connect with our listeners and our community. And it helped me to keep making this podcast super fun to create. And I think like part of productivity being autistic for me in autistic culture is like not just doing stuff because it's on the schedule and building in lots of breaks and building in lots of space so that like you actually enjoy what you're doing and can notice and have the time to notice if you are not enjoying what you're doing. So I thought productivity would be the perfect back to school episode.
0: I I think that's good for parents, for kids, for everyone.
1: Yeah. So, But what really triggered this was I have joined a whole bunch of autistic groups just to get some ideas for episodes. And a woman named Jessica Roach in the Autism Late Diagnosis Self-Identification Support and Education Group, which I will link to in the show notes.
0: That sounds like a good group.
1: Yeah, it's a great group. It's a great group. And she posted a very hot... Uh, a hot post that got me going. This was her post. She said, has anyone read Atomic Habits? I just heard a podcast interview with the author, and it sounded like it could be useful, but I'd love to hear a review through a neurodivergent lens before I seek any time into it. And man, were there votes. I votes created- you say? Uh, yes. Well, there weren't votes. There were just comments. But I did a whole content analysis of the comments. I created a spreadsheet. I divided the content, the, the comments into categories of positive, negative, and neutral. Obviously, I did, Matt. I know you're not surprised. I do have a pie chart on this.
0: I I just love (laughs) that your first instinct is, let's go excel on this.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, i So uh, 43% of the comments were negative, 29% were positive, and 28% were neutral suggesting another book or connecting or things like that. So uh, I've got my full spreadsheet of 168 comments analyzed. And uh, I decided we would start by talking about this very popular and I will call controversial book called Atomic Habits. Uh, Hold on, I'm going to give you the subtitle. Tiny Changes, Remarkable Results, An Easy and Proven Way to Build Good Habits and Break Bad Ones by James Clear. That is your full title.
0: That is an extensive title.
1: As you know, I am a publisher, so I do love a book. Um, And this book is really an outlier. So on average, most books sell fewer than 250 copies total, 250 This book has sold 15 million copies. Oh, wow. It is a New York Times bestseller. This guy, uh, his main credential seems to be that he's a self-help blogger. So no no training here, but lots of pseudoscience if you're into that sort of thing. I will tell you most authors make on average a dollar a book. So I will say he was very, very productive here because this is a $15 million book, probably after his agent is paid and the publisher is paid. So uh, apparently, pseudoscience is in, my friends. People love this stuff. Uh, Basically, the book is, uh, 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 I'm going to call it a dog training manual for humans. Oh, fun. Uh, he, it's, it's operant conditioning. We got a little Pavlov's dog action here.
0: Um, Which is great, you know, if you're a dog.
1: It is fantastic for dogs. Yes. Uh, the whole book is based on this four-step process. He explains there's a cue, there's a craving, a response, and a reward, and so if you can give rewards for good cravings, you will then, of course, build good habits. I'm sure you see where this is going.
0: Oh, God.
1: <laughs> so I'm going to make you read. This is kind of, This is just save you guys so you don't have to read the book. Uh, this is the whole book boiled down into a quote that Matt is going to read for you. Here we go.
0: Please forgive me for saying what will (laughs) pass through my lips. The more you repeat a behavior, the more you reinforce the identity associated with that behavior. In fact, the word identity was once originally derived from the Latin words essentius, which means being, and identitum, which means repeatedly. Your identity is literally your repeated beingness. Your habits shape your identity, and your identity shapes your habits. Identity is the north star of the habit change. That was almost a sentence. Habits matter because they help you become the person you wish to be. Quite literally, you become your habits.
1: This is the song that never Mm. ends. It just goes on. Have you ever seen a snake eating its tail?
0: Oh God, so you, you it's are so true. I mean, oh my God, this, habits. this is such a reductionist view of humanity mm-hmm. and cognition. And so what are the credentials of the person who wrote this book?
1: He is a blogger. Actually, what I will tell you is, I think he naturally is somebody who loves habits. And that seems to be <laughs> his uh, essentialist take on this is like, Here's the deal. If you want a good habit, let's say you want to drink more water. Think of yourself as being a person who drinks a lot of water. Then drink a lot of water and you will be a person who drinks a lot of water and you will have a water drinking habit, which seems to be how he does it. And you can do it too, my friend.
0: I want to make sure that our audio engineer includes Audible Groan.
1: Yeah. Audible oh. groan. Insert audible groans. Oh so, my God. Yeah. So good habits, when you drink the water, you give yourself a reward. That's positive reinforcement. You just keep in your pocket some kibbles and then you like good, I ate it. And then your brain will remember, oh, I get a kibble when I drink the water. And then bad, I guess you punish yourself, and then that decreases the bad habits. But he's focused on the fun stuff. He says um, you want to make it obvious, you want to make it attractive, you want to make it easy, and you want to make it satisfying. So the habits that he picks are things he already wants to do. So for instance, he loves brushing his teeth, loves it. So he will put things next to his toothbrush, like let's say some medicine he needs to take. And then he teaches us the skill of habit stacking. I already love brushing my teeth. That's obvious. It's attractive to me. I will make it easy to remember to take my pills. So that will be easy. And then it will be satisfying because I will reward myself with, I don't know, a little kibble or something. I will pat myself on the back and do a social media post saying how awesome I am. And I have gone 387 days without forgetting to take my medicine because I have habit stacked it with my teeth brushing. So just do that, Matt.
0: I can't imagine what a wild night he must have with his teeth brushing. I mean, that's, wow. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, wow. yeah, He also says um, if you are ever struggling, like, do you have any habits that you kind of struggle with? Something like maybe exercise you wish you did more?
0: I, I my gut definitely uh, could use more exercise. Okay,
1: great. I have a solution. This is going to change your life. Write this down. Get a pen.
0: Should I brush oh. my teeth while exercising?
1: Well, you can, you can stack the exercising with your teeth brushing, so that's nice. But what he says is all you have to do is change in your mind from I have to exercise, like, oh, man, I have to exercise, to, wait for it, I get to exercise. Hey, I get wow. to exercise after I brush my teeth.
0: This man must be fun at parties.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because your identity is a habit and a habit's your identity because you now know the Latin root of that word. And so I think it's, um, I think this is also called self-gaslighting. But basically, you just tell yourself, I love exercising. I am a person who exercises. You make it attractive and easy and satisfying. And then you give yourself a reward after you exercise. And after you do this for enough days, by the way, there is no science behind this. It has all been wildly debunked. But he says, once you've done it for 66 days, you will then just be a person who exercises after they brush their teeth.
0: I, I, I really, really want a shirt in our new tea Public store to say, I love brushing my teeth yeah. because I want a mug with that. Uh, yeah, because, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's...
1: You can put wow. your toothbrush... So no, this is a great... You're already learning. You put your toothbrush into the I love brushing my teeth mug... Okay, that's going to make it attractive. If we pick the right font, like a nice Comic Sans sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Your mug with your favorite font, your toothbrush will be attractive. It'll be right there next to the sink. It'll be easy. And then you can reward yourself by listening to an episode of the Autistic Culture Podcast.
0: With clean teeth, no less.
1: With clean teeth, yeah. So here we go. (laughs) If you want to do something... Then you have to be that thing and the way you can be that thing is by doing it. So if you would like to add a new habit, start doing it. And then keep doing it no matter what and you will be someone who does it.
0: I I am going to say that I am going to be rich so I will go out and spend millions of dollars this afternoon and therefore self-actuate that spending the money makes me rich. Yes, excellent. What a
1: great habit. Spending money...
0: Yeah. To make you rich. Yeah. Cause, uh, you know, as long as we're going full pseudoscience, I could fly.
1: Yeah. 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 So this is applied behavioral analysis. There's another yes. uh, three letter acronym we love around here, um, which is
0: <clears throat> ABA. Yeah, it's uh, that Swedish pop group without one of the bees.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And there are a couple of byproducts of this sort of systematic behaviorism, which, by the way, does not work. And it especially doesn't work for autistic people. No. But uh, over and over again, the people who recommend and like Atomic Habits, when you ask them if they created any new habits, their answer is consistently, no, I just like thinking it would be that easy. I think they enjoy the anecdotes, but um, th- there's a there's a couple things that happen. One, you begin to have this imposter syndrome. It's this internalized ableism that's created because all you had to do was make it attractive, put your toothbrush in your cute little cup that says, I love toothbrushing. Why aren't you doing it? So that is, you know, internalized ableism, It's all of the things that are going to create mental health issues. But also for some people, it creates perfectionism where there's a fear of failure or punishment. Like I didn't, somebody else did 387 days of consecutive, consecutively brushing their teeth. I missed a day. And so my value therefore is associated with how good I am at fulfilling these habits in this neurotypical way. And imposter syndrome and perfectionism are two of the things that are really dangerous to autistic people that send us into meltdowns, burnouts, and by the way, make it really fucking hard to do any of these habits.
0: Especially when you frame it as it's really easy because you say, well, if it's so easy, why can't I do it? Well, clearly you're a failure. You know, it's. And maybe, have you thought oh about, God.
1: have you thought about just thinking I get to do it?
0: God, oh try my that. God.
1: Did you try that? You should try oh, that. Oh, that's
0: uh, so offensive.
1: Works for me. So I listened to this. Oh, first of all, I'm obsessed with the podcast, This American Life. It was a radio show. I was obsessed when it was a radio show. It's a podcast. You should all listen to it. It's great. And there was this episode, I'm going to link it in the show notes about quitting smoking. Uh, it's called something, I can't remember, but, uh, I can't quit you. I can't quit you is the name of the episode. And in this episode, they are talking about another applied behavioral analysis, um, book, which is a very famous book. It's called The Easy Way to Quit Smoking. And there's a bunch of these books, The Easy Way to Lose Weight, The Easy Way. The guy's name is Alan Carr. He's a British guy. He's died now, but his company is run by somebody else who's interviewed on this podcast.
0: Was it lung cancer or a car accident?
1: uh, Yeah, right. I do think it was lung cancer. He just like didn't
0: stop
1: soon enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the idea in this book is you don't really want to smoke. And you huh. think you want to smoke, but you don't really want to smoke any... Oh, i left this out, but it, it, this is key. He's a hypnotist. And so you can read this book and you'll be hypnotizing yourself or... And the book is, you know, whatever, 15, 20 bucks. Or you could go to like a $300 seminar and they will hypnotize you. And they tell you like through this whole thing, keep smoking as you're reading the book, keep smoking when you finish the book or when you finish this session, that's your last cigarette and it's going to be the easy way to quit because you won't, you won't want to do it again. You just, you're not going to want to because you're going to become a person who doesn't smoke. Very similar philosophy to James Clear. And um, so James Clear, I'm going to give you another one of his quotes. He Likes to talk about smoking a lot in his book as well. Here's what he says about smoking:
0: I'm going to need to brush my teeth after this passes through my lips. Uh, uh, what you crave is not the habit itself, but the change in state it delivers. You do not crave smoking a cigarette; you crave the feeling of relief it provides. You're not motivated by br- you're not motivated by brushing your teeth, but rather by the feeling of a clean mouth. See what I wow. did there? I- I thought I was beating a dead horse with the brush teeth nope. and teeth brushing, but no, nope, no, he's it,
1: really into that. He's yeah. Really this is going to
0: be that. a running gag today. All right, well, yeah. we're, we're committed. Yeah.
1: Uh, wow. So that's it. That this is this is it. And so on this podcast, they have this guy. Oh, I should say the host for this episode or for this story had been trying to quit smoking because he had like a, I think it was like a pre-lung cancer diagnosis. It was like, you got to quit, dude, you're going to die. So he gets Alan Carr's the easy way and he does not quit. He does not magically just become someone who gets to not smoke. Um, He still wants to smoke. It's like literally, and he's not smoking. He does quit, but he's fucking miserable. And he's miserable for months and months. And he's trying to understand why and thinks, Alan Carr, like James Clear, had no fucking credentials whatsoever.
0: No awareness of physiological dependency or anything.
1: Right. So he's like, maybe I'll talk to an actual doctor. So he talks to this woman, Anna Lemke. She runs the Addiction Medicine Dual Diagnosis Clinic at Stanford. So like an actual scientist. She wrote a book called Dopamine Nation. Oh. And... Um, she, what she learned in this study is that nicotine increases dopamine levels by hundred and fifty percent Wow, which is fifty percent more than sex Wow. Right. And so what this study that uh, Anna Lemke did says is that you create this elaborate and they like, you know, measured it, studied it, did actual science around it instead of just an opinion that you should just not smoke because you
0: crave the state it delivers. That's an excellent methodology. I approve. Go on.
1: Yes. So she said, uh, what happens is you by smoking, every time you smoke, you've created an elaborate neurological circuit around smoking. And months or even years after you stop smoking, the neurological circuit is perfectly healthy. It's firing away. And whenever there's a stressor, it's like, hey, if you have a cigarette, you'll feel better. And she said, for many people, this circuit will keep working. You have just changed
0: your brain. The mesolimbic dopamine pathway. Yes.
1: Yeah. That's the one. Look at that. Science. Here we are. Science. And so if you just think think I don't need 150% more dopamine. It turns out it doesn't actually change that pathway. Yeah. So there is an actual scientific reason why just not smoking didn't solve this podcaster's problems. This is what Anna Lemke said to him.
0: This should be much better. Yes. So we used to include... Uh, we used to include nicotine replacement therapy just to help people quit. But more and more, we're now using them in the maintenance phase where people are just using them for years to decades. And again, the thinking, it, the thinking there is that, wow, the ideal is that with sustained abstinence, your brain would heal and you return to whatever your pre-smoking baseline was. But in reality, what we see is that some people don't get to that place and that they may need some form of nicotine to feel and function okay going forward indefinitely.
1: Right, even if they get Atomic Habits by James Clear.
0: Yeah, yeah, because for some reason, just uh, happy thoughts are not enough to rewire your brain. Who does Right,
1: think? right.
0: We love hearing from our listeners. So head over to this episode on Substack and leave us your comment. It's autisticculture, all one word, .substack.com. That's autisticculture.substack.com.
1: So here's the problem that we run into, and I've got lots of good uh, autistic productivity to share with you, but I want to explain why, even though 29% of people in the late diagnosed autistics group like this book, why I think it's so uh, dangerous and harmful in in for autistic people and why it has no place in autistic culture, in my opinion, because if you are telling yourself, Hey, I could just build a habit by doing it repeatedly. I'm going to do it for 60 days and I'm going to magically do it. And then it fails. Yeah. You are going to feel very crappy about yourself. Oh, very And it has a trickle down effect and it will decrease your productive, your productivity. That's one thing. It is not going to help you make more, have, make more or better habits. And I know for me, this, um, I knew how to do all these habits. I was actually, when I was masking, so after I was diagnosed I was like, okay, here are all my weaknesses. Here are all my shortcomings as a person with autism that I need to make up for. So I'm going to make up for them by reading every single self-help book, every single productivity hack, and I'm going to do a really, really good job with these. I think you came
0: in from the research angle.
1: Yeah, of course. Right. I went all in. I'm like, I am going to master all these neurotypical skills. They're going to be harder for me, but look, it's, it's hard for people in wheelchairs to learn how to walk again. And some people do it. I'm going to be one of those people that learns it. And every time I would feel any sort of, uh, like Guilt or shame, I would be like, let's put the rewards in place. Let's put the punishments in place. I actually used to teach this to my clients, like rewards and punishments and let's build a schedule. And I was in a position where I could hire people to just like follow me around and make sure I was doing all my good habits. And then through uh, mostly COVID, but some other things that were going on at the time, I dropped into autistic burnout yeah and I didn't really know it was autistic burnout. I just thought it was burnout, but it's okay. I wasn't that worried I slept for a week, everyone kept calling it the pause. this is March of 2020. I'm like, I'll sleep then I'll feel better after a week and then after a week, I was like, let me put my let me put my systems in place let me put my rewards in place, let me make it attractive and easy and I was not doing these habits anymore yeah. So I used to post every day on social media and I used to make Facebook lives and I'd be like, you just have to do it. Reward yourself after. And I like went to the store and I bought lint chocolate and I was like, you can have a lint chocolate once you make your Facebook live. And then I did not make my Facebook live. And then day after day, after day, after month, past and I was not doing, I was not showering. I was not brushing my teeth. I was not changing my clothes. I was not doing anything. And I thought, well, I have to get better rewards. I have to get stronger punishments. I have to make it more attractive. I have to make it easier. And none of this was working, Matt. No kidding. Yeah. So I guess I wondered from your, uh, from more autistic centered therapy, I did. I was going to a therapist at a time at the time. And she was the one who was sort of telling I mean, she's a great therapist, but she was like, okay, what are you going to do by the time we meet next week? Let's make a list of goals. How are you going to reward yourself? So obviously not autistic-centered therapy, didn't think I needed that. But what do you think, why do you think these productivity tools don't work? Why can't we just beat ourselves into submission as autistic people?
0: Because that's not how our brains work. (laughs) Because, okay, so so right now, the, the current research says that all of the TISM, is due to our responses to mTORs, M-T-O-R, Mammalian Target of rapamycin, And in most people, in neurotypical people, these mTORs cause a thing called autophage, where your neurons, uh, there, there's a chemical that's emitted in your brain that naturally dissolves synapses that aren't being used. And uh, that way you can change pathways through what we call extinction, where if you burn out a pathway and you say, well, if I smoke it, I smoke and I smoke that I won't smoke anymore because I've burned it out. Or if you, you know, are able to condition yourself that. You, you are going to change these pathways. But again, even that doesn't work with neurotypicals because of the mesolympic dopamine pathway because the mesolympic dopamine pathway is essentially the grand canyon of your brain, which was eroded over years and years and years mm-hmm. and years of dopamine passing through this. And it's a structural change and you can't change that because that's a whole other thing. But, but because we don't weed out our synapses, studies have shown that we do not make habits. Everything that we do has to be a conscious effort because uh, the, the mTORs, uh, we don't respond to mTORs, so we don't do the synaptic pruning, so we don't weed out our synapses. So uh, our brains are endlessly hyper-connecting. We are constantly making new connections. We will make connections around connections. We will do all kinds of stuff. And every action we make is somewhat deliberate, including Breathing. We have bad habits with breathing, which is why so many of us have uh, non-obstructive sleep apnea, because we forget to breathe because we can't even make a habit to breathe. So when you say, oh, yeah, I really need to quit smoking or quit drinking or whatever, there's, there's so many people, so many autistic people in the world that have dependency issues because... We live in a world full of chaos, and if you need that extra nicotine to get through the day, if you need to numb yourself with weed or numb yourself with alcohol or numb yourself in something in order to get through all of this chaos, it's going to be very, very difficult to stop because you don't have any way to mitigate all that chaos, So one of the things that we're working on right now, uh, I've got some friends who are very, very interested in this topic and are studying it from an autistic perspective Mm. and trying to work on autistic substance abuse centered treatment. But again, that's years and years away. And hopefully we can start to implement some of this stuff at Arcadia, our new autistic led autism center, because we're planning on doing a whole bunch of research, but we'll talk about that later on. But uh, Autistic led
1: health center. Right? Autistic. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, because
0: yeah. it's going to be all of these services uh, OT, PT, SLP, uh, 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 nurse practitioner, all these services for people led by autistic people. So it's. Because
1: it's different for us. And then yes. th- when you're reading something, and I mean, Atomic Habits, these lessons are just in the air. You'll pick it up in TV shows, obviously New York Times bestselling books. Your drunk uncle at Christmas is going to be like, hey, why don't you just set a timer and tell yourself you're going to exercise every day at 5 a.m. And when they don't work for us, this is part of our whole wrong planet thing where we're like, I must be on the wrong planet. Like that didn't work for me. What's wrong with me? Am I broken? No, you're not broken. You're autistic. And these tools don't work. And even if you look at like the original behavioralism, like Pavlov's dog, they get the reward and then they drool, they they get, they hear the bell, they get the reward and then they drool and then they could just hear the bell and they drool. That was all uh, automatic. Yeah. They were automatically drooling. We don't automatically do things like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Skinner made a lot of work with pigeons, but pigeons are not sapient. Right. Pigeons are, are do, do not have the complexity of thought that humans or dolphins or at a very exceptional woodchuck has. Yeah. So, yeah, there's, there's a reason that these things don't work for us.
1: But autistics have spiky profiles when it comes to productivity. And so especially if we are in a monotropic phase, if we are, for instance, making pie charts of people's comments in autistic websites about James Clear books, we can be incredibly productive, more productive than neurotypicals in a very short amount of time. We can get stuff done and get it done well and... At a deeper level that most people can't. And then we get a lot of credit from neurotypicals. They'll be like, oh my God, I love how productive you are. I'm going to give you more and more work. And uh, this fits very nicely in America into our Puritan uh, work ethic. The, oh,
0: bootstraps.
1: The, the bootstraps, the productivity gospel, the idea that your value is tied to your productivity. And so when we're being super productive in our special interest, we feel good. And when we are in a place where we can't, I don't know, remember to brush our teeth or take our medicine or go to the gym or drink water, then we feel like, oh, we are worth Less, we are less valuable as humans.
0: If if you ever get a chance, uh, I Dan Harmon, if you're listening, I know you love podcasts. Please reach out to us. I would love to talk to you. But there there was a documentary, Harmontown, Town, about Dan Harmon, the creator of Community, the creator of Rick and Morty, the the co showrunner of Strange Planet. Now, also very autistic. Mm. Uh, but the documentary showed his his burnout uh, after being fired from community where he just wanted to tour the country and do his podcast and repeatedly there's these uh issues with where he has these meetings with network network executives of saying yeah get that script to us get that script to us get that script to us but he cannot do that Mm. because that's just not how he is able to work. And talking about on Community, he would uh, work and work and work and then not deliver it until like the day of shooting right? because that's how his brain works. That's how we do it, and, yep. And it's a fantastic, It's and this is why, uh, again, I he's definitely one of us. He talks in the documentary about it. We're going to be talking about Spencer Crittenden when we do our Dungeons and Dragons episode coming Ooh. up. But uh, there's... There's so much there about his substance abuse dependency and his autistic inertia and the, the, the massive self-loathing he has for not being able to do things on a neurotypical schedule. Right. Because when he's able to do the work, it's amazing work. When he's not able to do the work, he needs to take a bubble bath
1: and that, exactly and that is that is what i want to talk about because in autistica in our magical land that we live in a land where uh, autistic culture is the dominant culture there are ways that we accomplish as much or more than people on the neurotypical planet, neurotypicalis. Uh, But it does not require this sort of schedule. And I wanted to get advice. And and we want to hear more from you guys this season. So uh, give us your productivity ideas and methods that work for you. But I took to Twitter, which I guess I will call X, but it's hard for me, but okay. I took to Twitter. I'm not calling it X. Uh, The
0: the least copyrightable name ever.
1: (laughs) I can't. So we're going to call it Twitter. So I went to Twitter and I looked up actually autistic hashtag posts that mentioned productivity. So he's like, let me find what I I have my list. I'm going to share it with you. I want to hear your thoughts on it. But I was like, let me look on Twitter for this. And obviously Twitter is a land, a vast land of tech bros. And everything I found about autistic productivity was this creepy, wild tangent stuff.
0: Oh, yes. Oh, God. Alex, Alex, yeah.
1: you want to tell this story?
0: Oh, uh, Alex St. John is, uh, was a, a, uh, the, the head of the gaming company, Wild Tangent. And he, he made this famous presentation about how his methods for becoming so successful and his, his methodology included essentially enslaving autistic people. And, uh, he put this presentation online because he was very proud of it, uh, After lots of intense feedback, he later took it down, but if you want, you can still find it on the Wayback Archive because the internet never forgets. The presentation is called Recruiting Giants by Alex St. John, and some of it includes a slide that says the young, the old, and the useless. He says that nothing beats youth for speed and innovation, higher for passion, persistence, and IQ, Work them, quote unquote, too hard. It's good for them and the only way they'll get seasoned. Get them as interns while early in college if possible. They're not entrenched in bad habits. They haven't learned Wade slave mentality yet and they don't need to be untaught. Five kids to one old mentor engineer is about right. And it says, quote, be on the lookout for the holy grail. The undiscovered Asperger's engineer usually found on open source forums, Because they have no social skills, they generally marry the first girl they date, they can't make eye contact, their resume and educational background is a mess because they have no social skills, they work like machines, don't engage in politics, don't develop attitudes, and never change jobs.
1: Yeah, exploit those motherfuckers and their productivity.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's the th- and there's there's if you get a chance read the whole thing. I've downloaded it because again pertinent to our interests. It's on the Wayback archive. There's stuff about how you need to target because again this is very sexist. Target the girlfriend of the autistic person because the girlfriend is always interested in money and you can force the autistic person to do anything because the girlfriend is a money grubber. So yeah, it's it's all remarkably pathologizing, remarkably horrifying, and you definitely should check it out.
1: And this is what is perceived as autistic productivity when we are kind of in the autism speaks world of autistic people need to be fixed. The good things autistic people do is they're super productive. The bad things are, you know, sometimes they aren't, let's fix it by giving them a copy of Atomic Habits, I guess. Because that's going to work. In Autistica, the way that we see it is that productivity comes from monotropism. And when you hit on it, when you're in the flow, like, enjoy it. It's amazing. Create as much in your life as you can that will Uh, make that conducive to happening. So you might have certain challenges or other issues you're dealing with or marginalized identities that you um, cope with that make that harder. But the more you can be in a state of flow and enjoy your special interest and lean into them, especially when they're rich and ripe and bubbling, do that because it is nurturing and healing. Not because you might lose your girlfriend or get fired. Yeah. We love sharing stories of autistic culture. And if you are seeing yourself in any of these stories and you're wondering if maybe you're one of us or maybe you're already diagnosed or self-diagnosed and you want to know if Matt can help you live your life better and be more authentically autistic check out his website at MattLowryLPP.com. That's Matt, M-A-T-T, Lowry, L-O-W-R-Y. And then that LPP, it stands for Licensed Psychological Practitioner. So head on over to MattLowryLPP.com and learn more about working with my buddy, Matt.
0: So, so this is about the thing about the, the the flow state, because when we're in the flow state, and if if our flow state is related to our jobs, our employers really, really love us. But then when we hit burnout, we need to recover. Our employers want us to maintain that nonstop warp nine all the time, but we can't maintain warp nine because you know the the warp core will explode and kill everybody. <laughs> right. And right. that's that's not something that the holistics understand. They they want constant productivity all the time. And but and and yeah. it's not
1: just constant productivity. it's a pretty low banal state yeah. of productivity.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and this is this is a big thing about working from home because they say, well, people just pretend to work from home. Like, what do you think we're doing in the office?
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Right. We're, yeah. right. We're yes, trying to survive the day most yeah. days. So yeah, when I think when an holistic assumes they they see us in a super productive day, the day we turned in the the manuscript that we wrote in whatever twenty four hours for an episode of community or whatever, they think it's possible to always do that. Yeah. But it's not just a switch you can flip. And if you can flip it, like by using atomic habits and rewards... Or cocaine.
0: Is,
1: or cocaine. Yep. Great, great, great suggestion there. Yeah. Um, it it will lead to burnout or worse. Yeah. And I think we get confused because of all those rewards, all the dopamine hits. Oh, my God, this is amazing. This is amazing. Yeah. it's It's very difficult to turn down that appreciation. And then when it's not there and you just can't crank it out, it's like, where did it go? Why can't I do it right now?
0: Yeah. And that that's where the internalized ableism hits. And that makes the burnout all the worse because right. you blame yourself for not being able to do that thing that you could do yesterday, but can't do today.
1: Right. And it's real. You can't do it. You're not making that up. Um Is this where autistic inertia comes
0: in? Oh, God, yes. Yeah, that's so so that's the thing. Uh, You know, inertia is a body at rest stays in rest. A body in motion stays in motion. And it takes us a great deal of energy to get going because we're like trains. It takes a lot of energy for us to go from a rest state into a, a state of movement. And then once we it takes a very long time for us to slow down or switch tasks. And then once we burn out, it takes so much energy to get moving again. Right. And this is why we need so much recovery time and so much self-care and building a life where we don't hit burnout as often. Because I would like to say live a life where we don't hit burnout at all. But I haven't met an autistic person who's never experienced burnout.
1: Well, capitalism though.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Is
1: that possible? I mean, obviously, we're not experts here, but make introductions if you know someone who is. I wonder in like an, an, an indigenous culture, yeah. if it is less likely for autistics to hit burnout because they aren't expected to produce with this Puritan work ethic. Obviously, that whole productivity gospel ties into white supremacy. It ties into capitalism and it ties into the pathologization of autistic people.
0: And this is one of the things that is fascinating because the the western culture burnout productivity all that kind of stuff the burnout is what leads to adults getting diagnoses because they don't have the energy to mask anymore. So the people the autistic people in other cultures who are able to effectively cope may not look as autistic because of masking. So this This is a very, very interesting subject and where we need to approach this from a cultural perspective instead of a mental illness perspective, Mm. because we need to look at these underlying traits like monotropism and autistic inertia and all these other things that make us who we are when we're not distressed, when we're not burned out to figure out what the greater picture of autism is uh, as a whole uh, from a societal standpoint.
1: Yeah, what is it in its natural state? Yes. That that's the question I always have. So, obviously there is a lot of privilege to productivity as an autistic person, because not everybody has these luxuries, but to the extent that you can use some of these tools as opposed to the tools from Atomic Habits, please don't use them. They won't work. No. It's not great. Um, but like, no one behaviorism,
0: the, no cocaine. Don't do either of them.
1: Either, neither works. But if it works for you, you know, whatever you do, you boo. But for me, one of the things that led to creating the circumstances for being in a flow state more often is having a schedule that supports me staying emotionally regulated as much as possible. Now, for me, that means working from home. I know everybody doesn't have that luxury, but if you can move towards that, even do that some of the time. And also I space out any sort of meetings. I'm very careful about scheduling meetings. And I have a no, no shame, no guilt, midday naps, midday sleeping on the couch, even though I'm working from home. Um, I work when I'm working, but I rest a lot, a lot more than people might think. Yeah, sometimes I'm just like zoning out staring at my phone. Sometimes I'm just not talking or not having to be smart or on. Yeah. But I rest a whole lot more. And if I I had a meeting that was late last night and I just started to feel myself it, it maybe it feels a little like claustrophobia. I feel like buzzy, my tongue gets numb, my ears ring. I'm like, I got to get out of this. And
0: yeah, I I, I get the buzzy feeling myself. And it's very interesting
1: and it feels buzzy. Yeah. I'm like, I got to go. I got to go. This isn't right. And it was something we were on. So this would have tripped me up in the past. So we were, uh, I've talked about this on this podcast. I ended up joining this board I told them ten times you don't want me on your damn board. I'm autistic, but um, but anyway, I joined this board. They've been incredibly accommodating. Like I speak up for my needs, and everyone's super. And then like now, our board president is like, I just got diagnosed as ADHD. Everyone's like coming out as neurodivergent. It's great. Everyone's like owning it. It's awesome. That's awesome. Actually- and um, we were on a deadline for a vote. And the vote had to happen and I had to be there. And I have been doing a VIP day with an author in Australia. So my hours have been kind of upside down. We're working on a super cool book, but I'm working on it like late at night and my sleep is off. And I knew I was on deadline and I started getting that emotionally dysregulated feeling. And I was like, this is a volunteer board for my apartment building, what is going to happen if I don't vote on this nonsensical matter that doesn't, this is not my health. This is not my child. This is not my partner.
0: Reducing non-essential tasks. Yeah.
1: And I was like, hey, I know this is going to sound weird, um, but I actually have, uh, I, I like have to stop talking. I'm like, my body is telling me I am done talking for today. And so I'm going to put down the phone and you can just register my vote as abstained. And if we have to re-vote later or whatever, or if you need to remove me from the board so you can vote, do what you got to do, I'm hanging up this phone. Yeah, yeah. And I, like, I wasn't batteries. moody. I wasn't like bitchy about it. I was like, I can tell I'm, I'm getting signals that there will be greater consequences for all of us if I don't put the phone down.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because you have to manage your energy. You have to manage uh, your spoons. You have to manage your hit points. You have to manage your spell slots. Whichever metaphor you want in this, you have to take care of yourself because otherwise, again, that's the quick way to burn out.
1: Right. And I was just like, it just, most things don't matter. Like, most things don't matter. A lot of things you can get out of. Yeah. And- so I was just like, oh, whatever, I'll deal with the consequences. And then the next day, this was, I think, eight or nine at night. And I just like went to bed. I was like, I'm done daying. I, I'm done. And the next day I was moderately productive, not my most productive day, like didn't turn out of, you know, script for a TV show, but I was able to function. And otherwise I would have lost a whole nother day to vote on an issue about where to put a bulletin board in my apartment building.
0: Yeah.
1: It's not worth because, losing a day on. Because
0: where the sun don't shine is not one of the options they'll appreciate.
1: Right, right.
0: Like our show? Here's how you can help. When you tell someone about this show, it helps make the world a friendlier place for autistic people. And when you rate or review us in your podcast player, it helps people find us. It really matters. And if you're PDA, I totally understand. Uh, uh, you cannot not do this, and it will still work out. <laughs>
1: Um, So that is, uh, that's one of my atomic habits for autistic people is create a schedule that supports emotional regulation, understand how autistic inertia works. And if you're in a down, you're in a down. If you're in an up, lean the hell into it. If you've got a new special interest, it's like having a new relationship. Read everything. You'll be able to read 15 times more books than you will if you're in a down. But if you're there... Go for it. And then for me, for the times when I'm really struggling, especially with executive functioning, I have a lot of visual aids, reminders, and mostly my partner who just like brings me things like water and tells me to put the phone down and go to the bathroom. Um, But yeah, so I have support for those things because I know I'm not going to naturally do them. Because I did it 66 days in a row, and there was some fake study that showed that was supposed to make me just be somebody who loves doing those things.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it, oh, oh the pseudoscience.
1: Yes, uh, hoarding energy. Uh, so, in our autistic culture, we hoard energy when you've got it, use it, use it for what matters. Prioritization has become really important for me. Um, So figure out what you want to do when you have that energy. And when you don't have the energy, if you are someone who can push through, which I was, just know the long-term consequences are pushing through are not going to be worth it, in my opinion.
0: you're, You're borrowing energy from the future to get through today. And sooner or later, you will go energy bankrupt
1: you will go bankrupt. So, um, I loved, uh, this was a post that I read on uh, Twitter when I was looking for secrets, autism secrets for productivity. And this one is really captures perfectly for me. Actually, I'm going to have you read it, Matt. This is, okay. this is my productivity system. Somebody else wrote this tweet, but here you go.
0: Got up at 5 a.m., did half my morning routine, worked on some projects for an hour or so, then continued my routine, language studies. And I am now crashing in bed at 8 a.m. with my face mask. My routines don't look like most people's, but I get stuff done. Right. There you go. Yeah. And you got to do what you got to do. Uh, I I have been known to return emails at two or three in the morning when I can't sleep and people are inevitably, why are you awake at this time? because this is when I do stuff. I crashed after work and now I'm awake.
1: Yeah, this, this is. What, yes. And I often will sleep from like six to 10 p.m. Yeah. And then I'll work from 10 to two and then I'll sleep from two to six. And like
0: multi-phasic sleep.
1: Yes. It was a whole thing at one point in history, I believe.
0: It was. Yeah. We've just, again, you know, the, the colonialist mindset is is something right. else.
1: So let's not expect autistic levels of hyper-focused productivity from allistics. They are not capable of it. And I don't think we should expect, uh, I don't know, atomic habits from autistic people or being able to just habit stack and do all these little things perfectly all the time in the way the allistics teach us. We are from different cultures. We have different experiences. We have different brains. And in autistic culture, there are some things about productivity that are consistent that you can grab and take some inspiration from, look at some, I mean, you've heard many of our episodes of, um, you know, when people are creating in an autistic space and what that looks like, turning their career or turning their special interest into a career. Those things that work for you take, if there's something from Atomic Habits you love, take that too. You know, there's no rules here, but don't expect yourself to perform by holistic standards um, because that's just going to lead to harm and self-harm. That's my two cents.
0: I agree totally. Well said.
1: Yeah. So that is what productivity is autistic looks like to me, Matt, uh, no pressure on it being a product. And a productive answer, but tell us about your week. What is the best thing about being autistic that you have experienced recently? We need a good story.
0: Oh man, uh, the, the summer has been busy. Uh, one of the greatest things is that uh, I'm working with my friends to develop this like, new platform for teaching autistic skills. And we're we're going to have people who, you know, donate videos and donate time. And it's it's going to be this massive repository where people can share experience like how to get through uh, you know, productivity and how to maintain yourself at work, how to maintain energy regulation, learning about interoception, learning about proprioception, learning about uh Autistic sexuality, learning about all these topics that you won't find elsewhere because you need autistic people to learn from. So we're we're recruiting so many autistic creators, so many autistic entertainers, so many autistic people to make enjoyable creative content very much inspired by like sesame street because like the (laughs) minds behind sesame street's so autistic but uh we we want to make this giant repository to help people learn how to be more effectively autistic and i think it's going to be a great great project and i'm very very excited for
1: it i love that and what It made me think of uh, so many of the letters we get from you guys are people who have kids or partners that are autistic and you are not. And I think just even listening to this episode on productivity and realizing, oh, I've been expecting my daughter to do this or I've been expecting my husband to do it this way. Like I keep suggesting to him, why don't you just think of yourself as a non-smoker? Or whatever it is that hasn't been working, understanding productivity, we're still productive. It looks different. And so for all of the topics you guys are going to cover in those courses, even if you're not autistic, watching those courses and just understanding this essentialist approach that we take to how to do everything... How we do, whatever sex, whatever the thing is, is the way everyone should do it, leaves a lot of people out. There's much more diversity and a lot of those ideas just don't work, They just don't translate. So um, even if none of the none of the lessons work for for you to make you more productive or whatever the class is on, maybe you will learn a way to more generously perceive the people in your life that are autistic. Neurodiversity. That. Oh yes, indeed. So here's to neurodiversity. Here's to you guys. Uh, Head over to this episode on Substack to leave us your productivity tips. We will share them in a future episode. If you loved Atomic Habits, it's okay. I still love you. 29% of you did. I think you're wrong, but... You
0: can share your brushing my teeth now.
1: (laughs) Yes. Meanwhile, Matt and I are going to go make some toothbrush mugs with Comic Sans fonts. We'll have that available in our Tea Public store soon. Stay tuned. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Autistic Culture
0: Podcast. If you like this show, you can help other people find it by taking a few minutes to rate and review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts.
1: You can find out more about writing your book with me at differencepress.com. That's difference, D-I-F-F-E-R-E-N-C-E, press, P-R-E-S-S.com.
0: Or getting a psychological evaluation or consult with me at www.mattlowerylpp.com. That's M A T T, Matt Lowry, L O W R Y L P P, as in Licensed Psychological Practitioner.com.
1: We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember,
0: no one ever changed the world by being like everyone else.
1: Special thanks to our content manager, River Robbins, and Aaron Stoner, our producer, for making us look and sound good.
0: Bye.